waves get lost in the ocean. Seven billion swimmers, man, I'm going through the motions. Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hey, it's Nancy Urell, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. And we are blessed again today to have a fabulous guest. And we're going to be talking to Joseph Gallenberger. And what we're going to talk about today, you guys, is suicide. And, you know, in our culture, for some reason, when people commit suicide, everyone looks at it like, oh, my God, they're not going to go to heaven. What's going to happen? And this is why this book that Joe has written, and it's called Heaven is for Healing, is so important. So if you know somebody who has committed suicide, you want to tune into this show because it's the loved ones that are left behind that really grieve and wonder, you know, what happened to my loved one and, and could I have done something to prevent this? And Joe has written this fabulous book and he talks about what happens after suicide. Unfortunately, his brother, Pete, committed suicide. He did everything he could, just like most of us, I'm sure. And uh, But he knows that he's doing okay in heaven. And that's why this show is so important. And listen, you know, at the beginning of every show, I read a little bit. I'm going to read a little bit from Joe's book. It's a little lengthy this morning, but I want you to hear this because it's really important that you understand what happens and how people feel when a suicide happens. So here we go. Sit back, relax. And I'm going to read a little bit out of Joe's book, Heaven is for Healing. Here we go. There's often a sense of uncertainty about what to do or how to be helpful to persons who are grieving a suicide. This can cause us to withdraw from them under the gaze that we want to respect their privacy at the time they actually need us the most. What is one to do to be, to be helpful? Deborah Green lost her father, Lowell Herman, on to suicide on April 20th, 2015. Well, that's just, you know, it's been a few years. She's devoted, she is a devoted advocate on issues of mental illness and suicide prevention awareness. And she blogs at Reflecting Out Loud. And uh, this is a letter that Joe included in his book. And I want to read it to you because it really says a lot about us, our humanity, and what we can do to help each other. So here we go. My dad committed suicide. No matter how many times my mind takes me back to that horrible life-altering moment, it's not all darkness because you reached out to help. This is a letter she wrote. Dear strangers, I remember you 10 months ago when my cell phone rang with news of my father's suicide. You were walking into Whole Foods. Prepared to go about your food shopping just as I had done only minutes before. But I had already abandoned my cart full of groceries, and I stood in the entryway of the store. My brother was on the other end of the line. He was telling me my father was dead, that he had taken his own life early that morning. And through his own sobs, I remember my brother kept saying, I'm sorry, Deborah. I'm so sorry. I can't imagine how it must have felt for him to make that call. And as we hung up the phone, I started to cry and scream as my whole body trembled. This just couldn't be true. Couldn't be happening. Only moments before I was filling my cart with groceries, going about my errands on a normal Monday morning. 
Only moments before, my life felt intact. Overwhelmed with emotions, I fell to the floor. My knees buckled under the weight of what I had just learned. And you, kind strangers, you were there. You could have kept on walking, ignoring my cries, but you didn't. You could have simply stopped and stared at my primal display of pain, but you didn't. No, instead you surrounded me as I yielded, as I yelled through my sobs. My father killed himself. He killed himself. He's dead. And the question that has plagued me since that moment came to my lips in a scream. Why? I must have asked it over and over again. I remember in that haze of emotions, one of you asked for my phone number and asked who should, who you should call. What was my password? You needed my husband's name as you searched through my contacts. I remember I could hear your words as you tried to reach my husband for me leaving an urgent message for him to call me. I recall hearing you discuss among yourselves who would drive me home in the car and who would follow that person to bring them back to the store. You didn't even know one another, but it didn't seem to matter. You encountered me, a stranger, in the worst moment of my life, and you all came around me with a common purpose to help. I remember one of you asking if you could pray for me and my father. I must have said yes, and now when I recall that Christian prayer being offered up to Jesus from my Jewish father and me, it still both brings tears to my eyes and makes me smile. In my fog, I told you I had a friend, Pam, who worked at Whole Foods, and one of you went to search for her, and thankfully she was there that morning and you brought her to me. I remember the relief and I felt of seeing her face, familiar and warm. She took me... She took me to the back, comforting and caring for me until my husband could get to me. And I even recall as I sat with her, one of you sent back a gift card to Whole Foods. Though you didn't know me, you wanted to offer a little something to let me know that you'd be thinking of me and holding me and my family in your thoughts and prayers. That gift card helped to feed my family when the idea of cooking was so far beyond my emotional reach. I never saw you after that, but I know this to be true. If it were not for all of you, I might have simply gotten in the car and tried to drive myself home. I wasn't thinking straight, if I was thinking at all. If it were not for you, I don't know what I would have done in those just raw moments of overwhelming shock, anguish, and grief. But I thank God every day that I didn't have to find out. Your kindness, your compassion, your willingness to help a stranger in need have stayed with me until this day. And no matter how many lives my mind, or how many times my mind takes me back to that horrible life-altering moment, it's not all dark. Because you reached out to help, you offered a ray of light in the bleakest moment I've ever endured. You may not remember it, you may not remember me, but I'll never, ever forget you. And though you may never know it, I give thanks for the presence and, human presence and humanity each and every day. Wow, that is so powerful. And that's from Joe's book, um, Heaven is from Healing for Healing. And I wanted to read you that because people go through so much when someone is commit suicide. Mm. Joe's here today. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Joe. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff today, what happens after suicide. But Joe Lindenberger is a clinical psychologist with 30 years experience. He's, he is in demand internationally as a psychokinesis and manifestation workshop provider. He's a senior trainer at the Monroe, Monroe Institute and created its highly successful MC2 program. He developed the home study Sync Creation, of course, in Manifestation, and has taught over 80 Inner Vegas Adventure Workshops. Hey, Joe, 
Welcome to High Road to Humanity. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for being here. You know, you wrote this book because you had a brother, Pete, who committed suicide, and you felt like you did everything you could, and you were just frustrated. Can you tell the audience a little bit about your story? Yes, well, he um, was a very intelligent, hardworking, honest uh, fellow, but couldn't find work, mainly in his life, over and over. Uh, and he became very close to me because I had him live in my be upstairs in my office, those kind of things. Uh, when he uh, uh, committed suicide, he had planned it out carefully. He was in Las Vegas. I was in North Carolina. And uh, I got a call from the police, a uh, very tough call. I said I, I didn't even know maybe he was trying to disappear because of his death. So I asked to call him back, and I kept dialing the number wrong thinking maybe this was all a hoax, and finally I got through and they confirmed this. Um, the first call I had to make, uh, we're starting to show with lots of phone calls here, uh, was to my parents, which was a very difficult call to make. And I knew my mom, being raised Catholic, would have to wrestle with this idea that now her beloved son Peter would be in hell for all eternity. Oh my God. Um, that didn't line up with my own meditation experience up in Monroe Institute, where they have a program called Lifeline, where we do soul rescue work. Um, and so I began to contact Pete as he transitioned to the other side. Some of my friends with that meditation experience did the same. And that's um, what we're going to talk about, too. We've got about one minute to break. Um, but, you know, that's what I really want to talk about today more than anything is how you did this meditation and how you helped and other people can help people who have passed move on and, and feel okay with themselves. Okay. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, I just think that's really important. And, and I can't wait to talk about we do have somebody that uh, Joe had actually channel um in the second part of the book. And we'll talk about that too, when we come back from the break, cause it's really interesting. And she tells about what happens to people after suicide and after they go to heaven. So, um, and don't worry, they don't go to hell. It's okay. <laughs> I just want to get that through. We'll see you in a minute. Hang on. We have more stories to tell on high road to humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com to book your first 30 minute coaching session for free to get you on your high road. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a miracle? I think most of us probably have. Whether it's a financial emergency, health crisis, or some other serious situation, most of us know the feeling of helplessness and even hopelessness. Now imagine having to wait for a miracle for six months, even a year or more. That's a situation for thousands of children all around the world who are waiting for a sponsor. Their only hope of escaping the poverty around them is someone like you choosing them. This is Nancy Yearout, and I'm joining with compassion to give you the chance to be the miracle in a child's life. For a little more than a dollar a day, you'll provide the physical, emotional, and spiritual support a child needs, not just to survive poverty, but to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Don't make a child wait one day longer for their miracle. You can find out more or sponsor a child right now. Just go to my website, nancyyearout.com. 
That's www.nancyyearout.com. notice you buy more groceries when you use a large shopping cart. The shopping cart, or trolley as it was originally called, was invented in 1937 by Sylvan Goldman, owner of two Oklahoma City grocery stores. Back then, shoppers carried their food in wicker baskets. One day, Goldman was observing his customers and realized that as soon as their baskets were full or too heavy on their arm, people stopped shopping. Goldman thought if we could somehow give customers two baskets, we could do considerably more business. What's another word for a resourceful person? A debrouillard. Goldman put wheels on some folding chairs, attached two baskets to the seat, and let the back of the chair act as a handle so the cart could be pushed with one hand. What do you call anything that can be manipulated with one hand? A thumbadoodle. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hey, welcome back today. And we are here with Joseph Gallenberger. He's a PhD and he's written a wonderful book. It's called Heaven is for Healing, A Soul's Journey After Suicide. And Joe... Can we get this at Amazon and all major bookstores? Yes, it's on Amazon. Uh, my own website uh, works as well. If you Would typed you? in heaven is for healing, uh, dot com, I think that um, will take you there too. And uh, I have a meditation CD that tends to go with that to help people with the emotions after experiences of suicide in their family called Ocean Heart. That's only available as download or CD on my website. But the book is on Amazon as well. Okay. So if people type in heavenisforhealing.com, they will find us. And they find should us. find me, yes. Okay, cool. Hey, listen, um, we were talking during the break about people who commit suicide, and you went to this. Actually, you did this before your brother committed suicide. You went and learned. Uh, it was the Monroe, Monroe Institute. Is that the first institute? Yeah. Can you tell the audience about that? Because I find it so fascinating. Sure. Well, Bob Monroe was a businessman in the 30s and 40s, began to have out-of-body experiences. And he wanted to learn more about it and thought a database of 5,000 people having the same experience would help him a lot. So he developed an institute called Monroe Institute and a technology where they put on headphones like you're wearing now. Right. And different tones in each ear. And with no dogma, uh, people usually can go into a very deep meditation state in 15, 20 minutes uh, with the signals and uh, sounds that are pre presented to them there. Um, so I've been a trainer there for 26 years. Um, it branched out from his out-of-body work to exploring human consciousness in general. And within that, they did start a program called Lifeline, uh, where folks were uh, moving into the bands of consciousness right above Earth, if you will, and dealing with people who had just passed or didn't know they passed. Since there's no time over there, that could be somebody from 100 years ago. Um, and uh, got some good documentation 
that uh, what people were experiencing was not just made up. For example, um, when we would ta be tasked with getting their, basically their address and their name, and um, this is all pre-Google and pre-Internet. Right. Back, uh, but we would, we would find and research, and in fact, there had been a death uh, just, just like we had described for a person. Nowadays, sometimes people there do search through Google and find uh, right. confirmation quickly. Um, and it seemed like um, a wonderful service to, to folks. And though it often was with strangers, it, it implied that you could also help your own family members and friends when they pass through this in a more elegant way. Yeah, so that was the background when uh, Pete committed suicide was after that first Lifeline program about a week after. And uh, so I use those types of meditation skills to contact him. So right after he passed, I, I read your book, there was a couple uh, people in your classroom or that were in the meditation class with you who were able to contact him. Is yeah. that right? Yes, okay. I was uh, too frazzled immediately. Um, yeah, I was I mean able to yeah. I was able to use my meditation techniques to calm down and open up. And when I did that, I felt angelic constellation that lasted for days. But I didn't have any direct contact for, with him myself for a few weeks until things settled down for me emotionally. Um, but it was comforting because you had a couple of people. You had the lady that um, actually was able to contact him and help him. Yeah. and. And I come back to you and say, hey, he's doing fine. And mm -hmm. she spent some time with him. Um, and explain to people, you know, a lot of people don't understand. When you meditate, you can go to other places. Uh, can you give a little synopsis about how she was able to contact him? Well, this was Pam Hogan, who is, I think, the world's best uh, channeler that I've ever met. We had been um, in contact for years beforehand with her reflecting concern about Pete's pathway where it was leading. Um, so I'd come to trust her through verifications, weird ones like um, gold would go up 17 days straight from this date to that date, and it did, and what were the best stocks in the market and things that I could verify. Um, so from my point of view, I trusted her. She uh, uses a energy she calls Argo, ascending rays of God's oneness, a, a consciousness on the other side, if you will, uh, that's a group consciousness to help interface with other consciousnesses she would like to talk to, such as my brother Pete in that situation. So what came through very quickly was his sense of humor. Um, he sent a sign like a street sign with a gavel and a, a slash across it saying no judgment. He was so relieved that he wasn't going to be judged, sent to hell, that kind of thing. So let's talk about that really quick, because a lot of people, you know, in our society, unfortunately, you know, a lot of our religions say, oh, you know, if you commit suicide, that's it. You go to hell. But that's not the case. You, it's, it's love and compassion. And when people leave us, even if it's by suicide, there is love and compassion. That's all there is. And that's so, that's such a wonderful thing to know. Um, that yeah, it, it is. Um, and I would put out there as well that you don't escape the issues you were dealing with prior to the suicide. You are met with love and compassion, but you do after a period of healing or triage into almost like a, 
a sole hospital until you're ready. Uh, but once you're ready, you need to face what was going on in your life and how you could have done things differently. You also are often aware of the devastation emotionally you're causing back home on planet Earth with the people still living. So it's it's still not a recommended activity as a way to... No, exercise, I agree. <laughs> but but it, uh, you are met with tremendous love and compassion. Every drop of experience here is treasured, and all death leads to light, in my opinion. But the uh, the road to light can involve a lot of healing. It involves confronting yourself in compassionate ways in order to change your attitudes, behavior, emotions. Well, and you talk in the book that um, people have a choice. Uh, once they get over there, after they are healed, they can either kind of watch other people and learn from them on the uh, lessons that they didn't learn, or you say there's like a, it's almost like a movie where you can be a participant without being reincarnated and coming back and learn that way, or you can reincarnate. So you have a choice. Yes, it looks like uh, that. So there, uh, more immediately after the, uh, after you're settled down enough to be able to um, comprehend things, uh, would be your life experience playing like a movie where you're being held in great compassion as you see where things went off track and what you did, how that affected other people. Eventually, you can observe people here on Earth, like often your family or your tribe, see how they handle things differently than you do. And when you get ready for another, there may be classroom experiences uh, that intellectually teach you about the nature of love and how energy works. Uh, But eventually... When you look at other new life, you could have simulations that would be like a very vivid dream. They are easier in the terms of um, when you come into physical life, uh, your issues are coded into your very DNA and your family's DNA, and you lose track of yourself as spirit quite often. You forget about it. Um, So the simulated lives allow a quicker and more efficient um, running through, let's say, a dog died by being run over by a car. If right. you go into victim about that, if you get real mad about the car driver or what have you, all right. these different reactions may not be as elegant as as you could have. So you can go over and over it until you get it right, if you will. Right. You talk about a story. I wonder if you tell our audience. You talk about uh, a girl who had a motorcycle accident. Can you tell that story to kind of make us make people understand what really does happen? I think she was hit by a drunk driver. Um, I was hit by a drunk driver in a motorcycle. I don't know if that's what you're referring to. Well, uh, um, I, I don't know. It was just that I saw in the book that you said when people. Um, like she, there was a girl and she was hit by a motorcycle by a drunk driver. And then I was thinking it was a girl. Maybe it was you, but she just said she, but she, it couldn't have been you because she said she was dead, but she didn't realize she was dead. And she was oh, trying okay. to pick up the bike. And- yes. Yes. So you might meet somebody in that transition band who right. doesn't even know they left the physical body yet. So right. she might be trying to pick up the bike and her hands are going through the bicycle or the motorcycle. And, um, you engage them and basically, like a human being, hi, what's going on? Oh, I'm late for my wedding. I got to get there. Uh, well, what happened? Well, I hit that tree. Well, how do you feel? I feel fine. Yeah. Uh, look at the bike. Look at the tree. Um, well, you can't, you can't be telling me I'm dead. I'm only 20 years old. 
um, yeah. and you have an, a discussion. But once they re you get their attention, they realize they've dropped the physical body. Usually then they see spirit helpers, angels, uh, loved ones who've passed in their own family, and then they're taken into the light, if you will. And they uh, but the task can be to get their attention. Now, there are people who don't go when they're confused. And, and I was telling you during the break that I've had people come to me. It started about a year ago where I had somebody who I've known my whole life come to me and say, hey, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm dead. And I'm like, what? No, you're not dead. And, you know, and so he said, yeah, and I'm stuck. And so just like you, I, but now we have Google. So I immediately got out of the shower and went to the computer and I'm like, is this person dead? And they had been dead like eight years. Mm -hmm. And he had been stuck all that time. And so I, and, and he must have come to me because I'm into this stuff and, you know, I meditate. And that is the only thing I could figure. What was the first person they came? And we're getting ready to go to break, but I was able to help him go to the light. But it was a shock because you don't, I'm thinking, am I imagining this? But then you go and you realize, no, I really had that conversation and this stuff is real. So we'll be back in a few more minutes and we're going to talk with Joe about heaven is for healing a soul's journey after suicide. It's not over guys. After we die, there's more out there. So <laughs> we'll be back on high road to humanity. We will be right back on high road to humanity, but make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download directly from Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, so you never miss an episode of The High Road. It's down the road. Have you ever walked into a room on a mission to get something and totally forgot what you went in there for? I do it all the time, which makes me feel like a total sieve head, as the Brits would say. Some might blame it on old age, but a recent study reported in the Quarterly Journal of Experimental Psychology suggests the simple act of passing through a doorway causes memory lapses. It appears the brain regards a doorway as an event boundary and effectively files away whatever you were thinking about as soon as you step through. What's a word for the feeling your thoughts are being stolen? Nucleptia. So, what's the solution? Try carrying an object that reminds you of the task. For example, if you go into another room to get a pair of scissors, carry the object you want to cut. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hey, welcome back to High Road. And we're so blessed today to have Joseph, Joseph Gallenberger with us. And his book is Heaven is for healing and we're talking about a soul's journey after suicide and what happens and we were just talking before the break i was telling joe you know i had people show up and, and it kind of freaked me out so he kind of wanted to respond to that so what do you think joe well uh first thing i'd like to say is an awful lot of people die every year right and, and probably 95 percent of them go without trouble even if what's over there isn't exactly what they expect. So I had a brother, John, who was raised Catholic. He died of uh, an ALS type of illness. But first thing he did when he was over there is say, oh, Joe, you're right. 
you know, he was able to adjust his belief system quickly. So that's number one. Number two, how you can get stuck can vary many ways. You could be concerned about your kids here, but like one woman in that first uh, lifeline saw kind of a lump and she breathed energy into it. It became her dad who had died 20 plus years ago. And she said, Dad, haven't you seen angels and, you know, helpers? He said, yes, but I'm hiding. I don't want to go to judgment. So strong emotion and emotionally held belief may um, cause a person to be, quote, stuck for a while. Again, with no time, from their point of view, it may seem overnight, where in our terms, it might be 20 years. Um, so just mentioning that so people don't get concerned that everybody's going to have a struggle. I think most people don't, but enough do that we can help from this side because they can notice our energy better than they could an angel's energy. You know, in this life, even if you have somebody addicted to drugs, you may be trying to get their attention for years about stop. You need to change your pattern and behavior and they don't hear you. Um, So sometimes we don't hear the angels and it's easier to hear another human being. Well, yeah, and I like what you say, and and I'm going to reiterate a little bit because, and you talk about this in the book, and you just mentioned it, that, you know, whatever your vision is of heaven or what, or hell or whatever you think in your mind is what you see when you pass because that's what you're prepared for, I guess, mentally. And it takes a while for people to, like you said, the guy was hiding from the angels because he didn't want to be judged, you know, but then if, if, People know that there's a heaven, know that there's going to be angels, and their attitude is different. They have an easier path. Is that about right? Yeah, often, or if they're just at least open-minded. Okay, there you go. If it doesn't appear um, what you thought, it it might appear as a pleasant surprise. Oh, my mom's there, you know, and she passed years ago, or whatever it is, or their favorite dog meets them, or what have you. And and then they do tend to be okay. It's more, you know, if somebody is in a very uh, strong belief system or and death has been sudden, like a plane crash or um, things like that. Um, But many of us, you know, even as we're on our deathbed, if it's been a longer illness process, begin to see the other side a little bit, see relatives calling us and those kind of things. Well, yeah, I think every time I've helped somebody pass, um, they've seen their mom or their dad or their grandma and they go and and that's and so that has been the case what i've experienced so far Uh, you know and you talk a little bit in the book about 9-11 and uh what a shock it was to all those people and i think that was channeled um i think she was talking about that but but the thing that i that i got out of that was that we here on the planet can pray at spaces like that and change the energy and because i'm the energy joe and i get that part of it and so we actually have the ability and like with helping people pass we also have the ability to pray for the family and them and the space like 9-11 and change that energy is that right i think prayer is very powerful we've had interesting verifications where somebody prayed for somebody 10 cars ahead of them that was in a car accident they'd never met and then that person in the car accident going out of body, following that ribbon of life, light back to the car where the person was in prayer, getting the license plate and then coming and thanking them after they get out of the hospital. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, so there's cool verifications. Around 9-11, it seemed like there was this huge vortex of helpers. Um, 
that the people on this planet here that do this kind of rescue work were able to see when they went to help. I don't know, remember when Siegfried and Roy got hurt by the tiger? Right, uh, yeah. Vegas. I was in a group out there. I've done 95 workshops in Vegas. Uh, I know we could talk about that. Joe's yeah. a Vegas guy. We're going to have yeah. Joe on the show. I'm going to bring, I'm going to mention this really quick. Joe's written a lot of books about um, Vegas and it's, it's something called Liquid Luck. And we're actually going to have Joe back um, and talk yeah. about we'll it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, we were there and we went into a healing circle for the Siegfried and Roy. And it felt like there are millions of people around the world wishing them well when the news came out that they, they had had that injury. So we are all connected. There's something called the Global Consciousness Project. There's sensors around the world. They react when um, a billion people think the same way. Obama's acceptance speech uh, recently with the uh, cathedral at Notre Dame. Um, so we are all connected and we are one. And if we pray, it can help. Every religion that I explored has prayers for the dead uh, as part of their routine feeling that uh, they can be helpful. Right. And I think it says in the Bible, it just takes two people, more than one, to pray for the same outcome. And there you have it. And, and so it makes total sense that when you have a group of people praying for the same outcome, the power of that energy, the intention that goes out into the universe makes a difference. And, and that's really powerful stuff. Um you know, tell me a little bit about um, you, the Monroe Institute. You were talking about they have tapes, but you also have tapes. So did that experience just um, uh, motivate you to do your own CDs? Or what was the – is that what happened? Yeah, or? My brother's death 20 years ago really motivated the Heaven is for Healing book in two ways. One is it sent me on a journey. How can a good person have a bad life? And right. you realize that you have to feel deserving of goodness and you have to be able to manage your fears in order to have a good life. So I started a lot of work on manifesting and creating a good life. And that's where the liquid luck in the inner Vegas comes in. And, uh, and the CDs that I developed, uh, which are on my website, um, are designed to quickly t let a person get a taste of this a liquid luck CD. When it came out, within days, we had reports of winning lotto tickets and selling houses and finding soulmates and all this stuff. So it's a way a person can trigger a very high heart energy, because that's the best energy to work with, um, gets you out of ego and into a place of abundance and joy and get to create a better life. So Monroe Institute has... Uh, probably 30 programs residential. You could go and lay down for a week and listen to exercises, be very well individually guided. But they probably have another 200 exercises you could listen to at home. Um, and they're at monroeinstitute.org instead of .com. Okay. But you, if you go there, you'll see their bookstore and, and many titles. Well, if you want to look at mine, just go to uh, any of these, liquidluckbook.com will take you right there. What if, um, what's the best or, or what, um, is there an order on your CDs or, or what should you listen to first? I guess is my question. Whatever you would be pulled to, um, initially. Okay. okay. Um, there's one called Manifesting with Hemisync that really instructs people how to meditate if they've never meditated before. Okay. There's uh, one called Abundance Waterfall people have used for healing. One of the 
docs around here have given out a hundred of them to his patients because he found them so useful. If he said, gee, I'd like a little luck, liquid luck's a great place to start. So you just go there and take a look and see what you're, what you're drawn to, I think. Well, and now today, like, do you do, so you still do your seminars. You have yes. class. You do. Yes. Okay. So in Vegas. So yeah. if I want to come to your seminar, are they once a month or how often do you have these? Uh, about six times a year. And next one open for enrollment is uh, September 28th. You would okay. call my number, which is on the website because I do an interview with everybody. Make sure you're not trying to make next month's health payment or. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> you screen uh, them a little. Make sure you, you know, would be good for the group energy. Okay. Um, they usually fill with wait list. I just got back with one. Um, and we have weird stuff like us on dice, a uh, number seven should come up once in every six rolls and it ends the game. Uh, we've had 48 rolls in a row with no seven. Um, we often have groups where everybody wins every session of the table. So it's a lot of fun. Oh, fun. And the slot machines respond to that energy too. Uh, so, the the Heaven and Poor Healing book came about saying, what's Pete been doing on the other side for 20 years? Right. And uh, and so I went back and talked to this channeler we mentioned, Pam, right. and got lots of data about what happens to different people. Because suicide is a continuum from an impulsive act, unfortunately, by a six-year-old even last year, uh, to somebody who's been depressed for four decades to somebody who only has a week or two to live and they just want to get get out of the physical pain. And each person's handled individually. Um, so the book talks about that, what he's been doing 20 years over there and what I've been doing 20 years here in response to the initial devastation of this act and, and trying to heal from that. Right. Um, and my family heal from that. The cool thing is, you guys, on his book, um, is that the beginning of the book, it's set up into two portions. I thought this was really interesting. And you're a good writer, by the way, Jeff, because I was into it. And I only have a week to read these, so I'm like, I want to finish this book. It's really good. And it is really good, you guys. In the first part, he talks about his brother, Pete, and what happens, and his parents and everything. And then in the second part, it's about like you're talking 20 years later um, and they're channeling and, and this Pam is channeling all this information, which is wonderful information. And, you know, when I was reading this morning, I thought, gosh, what am I going to read? Cause there's so much stuff like Argo talks about so many interesting things that just blew my mind. I mean, weren't you just intrigued by this information? I mean, we gosh. had these first three sessions after 20 years. I got chills. I had to walk around the room. I was in tears. And oh. so was Pam. And the information coming through was a such high spirit level. Uh, I'm getting reports from people saying the story in Heaven is for Healing has touched me so deeply and parts my heart. I've never felt anyone could reach or understand. I never so felt so understood or embraced. Uh, another one is your book brought me more peace and comfort than literally any other forms of consolation received. So if somebody's carrying this in their heart, um, please get it. It will help. I also found a lot of people who never had suicide in their life but lost a friend in Vietnam or, uh, you know, in other ways of de death have found the book very helpful. 
Well, yeah, because it's confirmation that, hey, I know this isn't it. We've got about one minute to go, and you know this isn't it. But some people are questioning it. And, yes, when somebody dies, you think, gosh, I, you know, I hope they're okay. Or And there's that peace. There's that. And I felt that with your book, too. I was like, this is so cool. This confirms all the stuff I already know. And it's just nice confirmation, like you say, for somebody who's had a loved one passed. And you just wonder, and your heart aches, you know, and it yeah. gives you a lot a relief. I think that's what it what it does. Yeah, um, I'm a scientist, so I look for verification where I can. Right. And, um, and we, you know, we've gotten quite a bit here, more than people would think. That's there it. was even a uh, TV show done on that Lifeline program, and they uh, filmed for the whole week, and then went to Library of Congress, Congress to verify some of these lives from 100 years ago, and got verification. Wow. All right, we'll be back here. We'll be right back with The High Road and more. Don't forget to visit Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to sign up for her intuitive personal coaching program or to book a psychic reading. Recently, while my family was skiing in Colorado, we were greeted by a red fox that darted out of the trees. This beautiful animal with his big bushy tail just stood in the snow and stared right at us. Maybe he smelled all the loverwort we had in our pockets. Loverwort is another word for junk and snack food. Typically, a red fox eats scrub and woodland, but this one appeared to have had his share of hamburgers and hot dogs from the chalet grill. Foxes are similar to dogs, except they are not pack animals. The female fox, or vixen, typically gives birth to a litter of 2 to 12 pups. When they are young, they all live together as a family, known as a leash of foxes. Once grown, the young foxes leave the burrow and go out to live on their own. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hey, welcome back. And we're talking about suicide today. And we're talking that people go to heaven and, and they get healed. And, you know, you don't have to, if you read Joe's book here, we're here with Joe Gellenberger. He tells us that, you know, they heal on the other side. And this is really interesting stuff. And we were talking on the break and Joe wanted to talk um, about 
a suicide hotline number that maybe you can give people who, um, you know, may need some help. Joe? Yes, Nancy, this is the national one. I've called it a couple times just to be sure it works. Okay. And people answered on the first ring and were very compassionate and intelligent. So this could help people. The number is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. So um, if you are uh, in distress right now and, you know, wanting help for yourself to avoid um, taking that kind of action, that might be a good place to start. They can get you in touch with resources and also talk to a loved one or a friend. And, um, and you'd be surprised how most people will be very compassionate, like the people in the letter we started with. Right. Uh, but it's better to be compassionate before you go. And right. uh, a lot of times with with the depression and suicide, you begin to think you, you don't matter to anybody, and that's totally wrong. You have right. a big impact. Well, people, you know, you get, people seem to get into this frame of mind. And like your brother, you know, I wondered too, because your brother was a good looking guy. You talk about, about him in the book, that he was a handsome man. I mean, perfectly dressed, beautiful blue eyes. You said his hair was always perfectly combed. I mean, everything. And he was just a, a really awesome guy. But for some reason, he didn't have the confidence or he had something going on in his head, like some kind of program or whatever it was, that he couldn't hold a job. And it was amazing because I was telling my husband, I'm like, this is a, this is a crazy situation. And what you had said in the book was, like, he went out and he bought all these slot machines or all these cigarette machines. And he put them all in New Jersey, not realizing that the mob was going to, they came in and they broke them all and they got rid of them all like the next day, right? Yeah, they were, after he got to a certain number of them. I'm like, what uh, kind of luck is this that? This is way back, you know, yeah. uh, cigarettes were okay. People yeah. thought in the doctor's right. smoking. Right, yeah. 20 years ago, right. And then yeah. you talk about how he bought a horse yeah. and he put a horse into the, into the, you know, a carriage or the uh, the truck to take to the racetrack, and the bottom fell out of the truck. Yeah. So yeah, he a... bought uh, the first one of the first smartphones, and it got struck by lightning. Oh, are you two serious? Two hours before insurance, because he had a pattern going that he wouldn't trust himself with power, and uh, and of course, once you have fear, uh, and you have an experience confirming the fear, it goes over and over. One of my favorite phrases I have on the wall here that I developed was, fear is expensive, love is priceless, choose wisely. Oh, because, wow. Uh, being in fear can really create over and over negative experiences in your life. And at a certain point, you get too tired and too discouraged to go on. Um, happens. You know, and that, that happens. But um, it's better to stick here and do things here, and, and there's ways to get out of all of that and begin to heal here. Right. Uh, so wherever you are, here or there, you will be met with compassion, but you got to open up to receive it. Well, and I always say, change your thinking, change your life. Because if you can, that's one of my big things. And I've written a book, too, called Wake Up, the Universe is Speaking to You. And I talk about energy and I talk about myself, how I learned this stuff. And, you know, people need to open up and realize that, you know, all of us go through difficult times in life. But if we can, and sometimes we get in these ruts. And like you said, it's like a snowball effect. Because once something goes bad and you're fearful, it's really hard to get out of that. But yeah. if you, if you can. Well, it's easy to say things like fear is expensive. 
love is priceless, choose wisely. But if you've been out of work six weeks or six months and have a family to feed or you're facing uh, a battle with cancer or gosh knows what it is, it's a lot easier said than done. But there are meditation techniques that can help it be a lot easier than it could be without them. I think that's wonderful. And meditation is something in prayer, like we talked about before yeah. and sharing it. And a lot of people who are, you also talk about in, and well, when, when Pam was channeling, they were talking about people who have mental illness. And I wanted to bring this up because I, I found this really fascinating. There's a lot of people who have mental illness and that Argo talked about, and it was a, a problem in their brain. I mean, it wasn't, you know, just something that happened to them and, they push the family and the friends away because they can't deal. And, and I thought that was kind of an interesting. Can you talk about that a little bit? Or yeah, what you're... So, again, that was a place where we felt some of that amazing compassion from them on the other side, right. enough even to make us cry here with being held in great compassion that some of these uh, folks have such difficulty processing information and emotions that um, it's just very difficult. They may be doing that because of karmic issues or uh, something they selected to, to confront before even this life. But regardless, while they're here, uh, it can be very hard for them to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps and uh, or even with medication and psychotherapy. Um, so we know, you know, this can be a tough planet. You know, people are here paralyzed. People are here... Uh, both deaf and blind at the same time. Um, and and there's great compassion on the other side for folks who have such a difficult life, whether it's mental illness or physical. You know, after all this and learning all this, do you feel that, like I do, that we're all here to learn and we do the best we can while we're here? We're evolving in our job to evolve and then go to the other side and then move forward. Is that what you? Yeah, I heard, had a 14-year-old tell me one time, we live to learn and die to remember. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think many of us here, here maybe even for different reasons, but when we're here, we do learn a lot. There's something very valuable about the physical life experience besides the absolute beauty of nature and, and things like that. It completes who we are as beings. If we stayed in spirit all the time, we'd be missing something. Right. Now, you know, Pam Hogan talks about at the very end of your book, and I thought that was really unique that you added that little synopsis about her. And I was reading that this morning because she said she was walking because I thought, well, how did she get this ability? You know, how is she able to channel? You know, I have ability. You have ability, I'm sure. But she's able to channel. And how did she get that? And she was walking through the woods is what she says. And it was just peaceful. And then she felt the sense of oneness, which we are all one. We're all connected. We're all energy. And that's when she was able to tune in and and yeah, I think she said uh, she get to speak to be, uh, after that totally in service to whatever the universe how best she could serve right yeah, that's when it started yeah. Uh, and I just think that's amazing. And, you know, I'm, I'm over here trying to raise the consciousness of humanity, and I know you are too. How do you think we're doing, Joe? <laughs> I think we're in a big bang explosion of, of uh, advancement. I don't think we measure that very well, but if you look at the last hundred years, the progress in terms of men and women racially, 
Um, there's less war, there's less famine, there's less disease. Um, and yet we feel it so slow because of our time frame. But in an evolutionary sense, I think we are really speeded up right now, and we're doing pretty well. Things are coming to a head, you know, in many areas um, where you have to vote for love over fear, politically, environmentally, um, many things. But I think we're going to make it. I feel real good about my grandkids' lives, and in fact, I'm expecting my first grandson in about two days. Oh, wow. Uh, and I have two granddaughters already. When I look at their future, I think it's going to be brighter. That is so wonderful to hear because I can remember, gosh, 30 years ago when I was having my kids wondering, gosh, is it is it cool to bring somebody on this planet yeah. the mm-hmm. way things are a bit? The more people I talk to, I do feel uh, a sense of consciousness being raised and people looking to love instead of, mm-hmm. you know, the but there's a lot of angry folks out there, too, when I go out into the world. And, and my goal is always to smile at them and maybe change their attitude a little yes. bit. Yeah, a lot of anger and a lot of fear out there. And people using that and whipping it up. Uh, but um, daily you hear, you know, I still go on Facebook, I'm old guy, uh, stories of people caring for each other and miracles of human kindness. And that's what I tend to focus on. That's I think that will get us there. That's fabulous. And that's, I agree with that. Stay away from the negativity, you guys. Just go with the positive. If you have people that are negative around you, I always say this, just stay away from finding friends <laughs> because you need to be, we need to be uplifted right now. Yeah. We do not need to be brought down. And, uh, and if anybody needs to, to talk, you're always welcome to call me. And I know Joe's got some wonderful tapes and, and gosh, read his book because you know, we all need a little bit of love and caring right now. And I, and I think that just reading some of these stories that he's written in here will uplift you and make you feel completely different, you guys. So, Joe, what Could you, you uh, show him the book? Yes. I think I'm proud of the cover. I'm sorry. How is this real? We've got Joe and I are looking at each other on Skype. Now, you guys are hearing this on the radio, but I'm recording this. So this oh, is. Okay. Yes. And it's fabulous. It's going to be video and audio. It's just yes, audio. It is. It is, because Nancy's going to go ahead and put it out there to the world. But the radio station likes us live right now, so they can't see it. But they will if you guys want to watch the video. Um, Joe's book is really cool. It's called Heaven is for Healing. And uh, we're so excited to have him here. And, Joe, what's your website again? Heavenisforhealing.com. But there's another one, right? Yeah, the the main site is S-Y-N-C, like the word synchronized. And then the word creation, C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N.com. So S-Y-N-C. C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N dot com. Okay. We're going to have Joe back here, um, and I don't have the dates right in front of me. I should. But he's going to be back to visit with us again because we're going to talk about his books, Liquid Luck. We're going to talk about some of the CDs that he's done. And uh, it's going to be a really interesting um, conversation again with him. So we're pretty excited. And, Joe, thanks for sharing your stories because this is – I know it's really – Hard for you, probably, to talk about this. And I appreciate that you've shared this with us. So thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure to do so. Just hope it'll help uh, some other folks. Give that, give that number out again for suicide hotline. It's, uh, you- hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Okay. We'll see you next week. And next week we're going to be talking to Lauren Walker, and she's going to talk about the energy medicine yoga prescription. So there you have it, guys. Um, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to pick up my book, 
Wake Up the Universe is speaking to you. And don't forget to share this show with somebody that um, you, it may help. You know, always share the show. So thanks again. And um, we're, we will see you next week again on The High Road. Take care. For more stories filled with wisdom, love, and hope for our future. To sign up for my intuitive life coaching or a psychic reading, visit my website, www.nancyyearout.com. My email address is nancy at highroadtohumanity.com. So have a fabulous week and know that by staying on the high road, you will make it to your destination.